we are <clears throat> is anybody wearing Christmas socks who is you are anybody else can we see them <laughs> Oh, look at that. There you are. Thank you for showing those polar bears. Now, how is, how is a polar bear a Christmas sock? Is it because you got it for Christmas or Christmas socks? Red and white. All right. Did you get those for Christmas or you're just wearing them for Christmas? Did anybody get Christmas socks? Yes? Anybody get socks for Christmas at all? I'd love to get socks for Christmas. It shows your age, actually. So, um, the tradition is of Christmas, including uh, including socks. So, where does where does the idea of bells come from in Christmas? You go into Walmart and you see bells. Like, where does that where does that come from? Anybody know? It actually stems back to uh, pagan celebrations. And in the, in the pagan celebrations, they, <clears throat> they would ring bells to get rid of evil spirits. And then, you know, the Christians um, redeemed um, all of that stuff. And they did it to bring in Christmas with a joyful noise, ringing the bells. In Norway, they ring them um, throughout the country on Christmas Eve at 5 p.m. And somebody just started a tradition of trying to do it in the United States. This lady's trying to get everybody on Christmas Eve to go out and ring a bell. Did anybody do that this year? Anybody hear about that tradition? In Yorkshire, England, they've been doing it for um, hundreds of years where they've actually been ringing a bell one time for every year since Jesus came. I think that would be annoying. <laughs> but I mean, that's a, <laughs> that's a, lot, of, that's a lot of rings. How about, how about this one? How about candy canes? Anybody know where that came from? It actually came from a time when uh, in Europe, so, some, of, some of the countries had banned Christmas. Do you know that the Puritans banned Christmas in New England? That, that Christmas was banned by the Puritans? They didn't, they didn't like Christmas. They didn't like the celebration of it. Um, so, so this guy did this because he wanted to um, represent it and to do something for Christmas. So he made them look like shepherd's hooks. And why did he make them red and white? Because the white would do what? Pictures what? Purity. Somebody in the first uh, service said, snow! <laughs> well, it does represent snow. And, and, the, red, and the red is what? The blood. Um, how about uh, Frosty the Snowman? Where did that come from? How does Frosty the Snowman become like a Christmas thing? It was Jimmy Durante who... Uh, he played this, this role of the snowman who comes to life when you put on a magical hat. What does that have to do with Christmas? <laughs> Absolutely nothing. Say that. <laughs> what's, what's the next Christmas tradition? Holly. Um, the, the Northern Europeans liked this, and it represented Christmas to them. Why? Well, they liked the leaves, the points on the leaves, because it reminded them of what? Crown of thorns. That's right. That's right. And what did, what did the berries remind them of? 
the blood. It's so like they like that. So how about this one? Um, are you offended by this one, Xmas? You're not? Why not? Why aren't you offended by that? Well, it would be 10 in, in uh, Roman numerals, but in the Greek alphabet, it's C-H-I, chai, Christ, Christ. So actually, Xmas is Christmas. You're not taking Christ out of Christmas when you, when you do that, because it really is. Have you ever seen uh, the Jesus Christ, Lord and Savior, X-I-O? Do you ever see that? Well, because the X is Jesus. So... Um, what else is there? Do we have any other ones? Nope, we don't. We just have um, <clears throat> 10 reasons, and then we're going to open it up a little bit to share. And so if anybody wants to share a, you know, a brief testimony, brief story of what Jesus has done for you in the last year, or even what Jesus did for you, you can you know, tell your story of when you, when you got converted, what Jesus did for you. But we're going to do 10 reasons why Jesus came and then give us the opportunity to just give some testimony, to, to say something about what Jesus has done for me. Um, one more Christmas one. I want to read you what C.S. Lewis said about Christmas. C.S. Lewis said, there are three things that go by the name of Christmas. Three things. He said, one is a religious festival. Definition number one, religious festival. And he said, that is important for Christians. He said, but it's really of no interest to anyone else. He said, if you're not a Christian, why would that be interesting to you, the religious celebration of Christmas? And, and you know it, right? If you're a believer in Jesus, and maybe all of us in here are not, but if you're a believer in Jesus, you're constantly reminded that we're celebrating or should be celebrating Jesus. It's just about Jesus. And, and it reminds us of Jesus. And all of the things, all of the traditions anyway, all sort of point to Jesus. But C.S. Lewis said that it's an important one for Christians, but it's not of interest to anyone else. And he said, so therefore, I won't say anything more about it. He said, the second one, he says, has, has complex historical connections with the first. And it is true that, you know, Christmas was celebrated, you know, by pagans and all kinds of things. And and C.S. Lewis recognizes that. And he said it's, it's a popular holiday. And it's a holiday for merrymaking and hospitality. He said, but that's all I'll say about that one. And he said the third one is, this is the third Christmas. So there's the first Christmas, the religious celebration of Christ coming in the world. There's the second one that's merrymaking and hospitality. And he said in the third one, is what he says, unfortunately, is everybody's business at Christmas. And he said, of course, I mean the commercial racket. <laughs> and what he said was about the commercial racket, he said it gives a whole lot more pain than pleasure. <laughs> and he said, and most of it is involuntary. And he said, and then things are, I love this one that he said. He said, things are given as presents which no mortal has ever bought for himself. <laughs> and then he said, it's a nuisance. So, you know, the commercialization of Christmas. But, but I like the commercialization of Christmas anyway. So, and I like the merrymaking, and I like the hospitality, and I like Jesus. But why did Jesus come? And reason number one why Jesus came was to abolish all forms of ritual religion, 
rights, rules, regulations, as a... <laughs> Is that Asa or Asa? Asa. Asa. As a way to be in relationship with God. And so where do you get that? Well, you get it in the whole New Testament. In fact, the verse that we put is Galatians 3.11, the just will live by faith. And that verse is not a New Testament verse. It comes from the Old Testament. It comes from Habakkuk um, 2.8. And there are three books of the New Testament that are totally built upon that verse, that the just will live by faith. The book of Romans is built on that. The just will live by faith. The book of Galatians is built on that, that the just will live by faith. The book of, Col of Colossians talk talks about the abolishing of all of these religious things that Colossians says they have an appearance of godliness, but they have no power. Religious rituals in doing these things that they really appear to be right, but they don't have any power. There's no power in them. In the book of Hebrews, talks about the just living by faith. So we don't need religious rituals. It's, it's not the keeping of days. It's not the, the foods. It's, it's not the, um, you know, any of those things. You know, when you come and how you do it, 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 none of those things. None of those things. Jesus came and really destroyed all of those things and made it all about just relationship with him. Because nobody can do enough. Nobody can serve enough. Nobody can be good enough to earn salvation. And so religion is always people trying to get God's attention, reaching out to God, reaching up to God. But Christianity is about God coming to us. Those are the Christmas carols that we sing, right? Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel, God with us, come to us. And so Christianity is different than any religion. What separates Christianity from the other religions? There, there certainly are ethics that are the same, but not all religions have the same ethics. It's not true that all religions are about love. Um, and we won't get into that. It's Christmas, so we don't want to go there. But, but all religion is people trying to get to God through good works, through rituals, through whatever it might be. But Christianity is about Jesus coming to us, God coming to us, getting rid of all of those things. So number one is to abolish all forms of ritual, religion, rites, rules, regulations, as a way to be in relationship with God. The way you get in relationship with God is to receive what Jesus has done for us, dying on the cross for our sins, and then him rising from the dead and beating death. So um, what's the next one? The next one is to die on the cross. To do what? To bring glory to God and forgiveness of sins. So Jesus said this. My heart is troubled, and what shall I say? Shall I say this? Father, save me from this hour? He said, no. It was for this very hour that I came. So Jesus himself, we're trying to answer the question, why did Jesus come? Well, why not just take the words of Jesus? What does Jesus say? Why did Jesus say that he came? And Jesus said, it was for this very reason that I came to this hour. What hour? It's the hour where he's in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he prays this prayer and he said, if this cup can be taken from me, let it be taken from me. What's the cup? The crucifixion. 
He's going to go on the cross and die. And he says, if there's any other way, let's take it. If there's another way to reconcile people to God, isn't that what the Christmas carol says? To reconcile God and man, uh, to reconcile us again. If there's any other way to reconcile us, let's do it. If there's another way to reconcile people to God, let's do it. But there is no other way. The only way to reconcile people to God was for Jesus Christ, God himself, Emmanuel, the perfect one, the one who never sinned, he who knew no sin became sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God, goes to the cross, dies for us. There's no other way. And this is the reason Jesus came. And this is why I came to this very hour. My heart is troubled. The humanity of Jesus, he's 100% human, 100% God. The humanity of Jesus, this is why he came. He came to die on the cross. And so in this passage, and when Jesus is talking here, he is also looking beyond his death on the cross, and he's speaking about bringing glory to God. How is he going to bring glory to God? He's going to bring glory to God by bringing people to God through his death and resurrection, by saving people, by saving you, by saving me, and bringing glory to God by saving people. And at the end of the last service, we opened it up so that people could share testimonies. One guy, it was so cool, he shared this testimony. He said, uh, I was... He said he grew up in a religious home, but he didn't know. He had no assurance whether he would you know, be in heaven when he died. He said he didn't know. And he said, I said to God, God, you just need to bring somebody to me to help me straighten this thing out. And he said, not too long after that, he said, somebody knocked on my door. And they said, do you know if you're going to heaven or going to hell? He said, no, I don't know. I asked God to send me somebody. Tell me. <laughs> and he said he got saved. So glory to God. So when he was sharing that story, what was he doing? He was giving glory to God. Giving to glory, glory to God. When we share our stories of whatever it is that happened to us, whatever our story is, however it is that we came to Christ, we're bringing glory to God. When we tell what he did for us throughout this year, we're bringing glory to God. And so Jesus died on the cross for what? To bring glory to God and forgiveness of sins. So um, why did he come? Um, he came to give us abundant life. The verse says, the thief comes, speaking of the devil, comes only to steal and kill and to destroy. But he tells you, if we want to know why did Jesus come, let's let Jesus tell us. Jesus said, I've come that they might have life, and they might have life to the full. And so there's a contrast there. A lot of uh, Hebrew literature works in contrast. Uh, the Proverbs do that. It says the righteous person does this, the, the unrighteous person does this, the wise person does this, the fool does this. There's an awful lot of contrast in uh, Hebrew literature. And Jesus uses that same methodology of showing contrast. And here, he says, you know, the thief is coming to steal and kill and to destroy. So if you were doing his year-end review, the devil's year-end review of his work, how would you say he did? You'd say he did pretty good. He's been stealing, he's been killing, he's been destroying. All year long, he's been doing those things. But Jesus said, I've come that they might have life and have life more abundantly. 
So the one contrast, a life full of emptiness, a life full of self-destruction, a life with no ultimate fulfillment, or a life that's full of the presence of God. What does abundant life mean? It means full of the presence of God. In every day, every situation, full of the presence of God. And, and knowing Jesus is there just makes everything so much better. Just makes everything so much better. And then Jesus goes on, if we were to keep reading in this chapter, he goes on and he says that he's the true shepherd and he's the one that has come to save the sheep. He says that the sheep are being exploited, that people are constantly being taken advantage of, that the devil is constantly trying to ruin you, but he comes that you might have life and that you might have life more abundantly. The party life, the party life can never compare with the life of Jesus. When in fact, talking about Christmas, Jesus has the best party ever. Christmas is the biggest and longest running party on the planet. Because Jesus always comes out on top. It's the biggest celebration on earth. In fact, at least in the United States, it takes almost a whole month to do Jesus' party. Because you start it, when do you start it? You start it on Black Friday. And you don't end it until really the new year. And so from those who, and then after that, after, after Jesus' party, after we have Jesus' party, you need to recover. Anybody need to recover from Christmas? <laughs> so there's the party and then there's the recovery. You have to recover from the party. And it happens every single year, this big, long party. And his birthday has been causing traffic jams for 2,000 years. The first Christmas, when Herod sends everybody back to their hometowns. Can you imagine the chaos on the roads when everybody's going back to their hometowns? And there's been traffic jams every year since. And people get frustrated with, oh, it's Christmas time, you know, and people are beeping their horns. I often drive by the Crystal Mall, and I've noticed that at the Crystal Mall that there's less and less traffic. It's just something's happening there, or nothing's happening there, um, and just less and less traffic. But I've noticed over the last several days that it's just been jammed with traffic. Why? And because it's Jesus' birthday party, and when Jesus' birthday party is getting ready to happen, there's traffic everywhere been causing traffic jams for 2,000 years. And his birthday, this abundant life that he gives to us, his birthday is so important that your birthday is, is dated by his. Just changed everything. So Jesus is the centerpiece. He's the reference of all of history. So he came to give us abundant life. What else did he do? So that we would not perish but that we might live. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son uh, that whoever believed in him should not perish but have eternal life. I love that idea of, the, of whosoever. There's a, there's a ministry, they call themselves the whosoevers. And I can't believe, in fact, the founder of the whosoevers was, was on this platform a couple of years ago. And when he started that ministry, I thought, why would he call it the whosoever's? It took me months to like figure it out. 
duh, you know, John 3.16, whosoever believes in him. And so maybe you're a whosoever. You haven't believed in him yet. You're a whosoever. Then like come to believe in him today. Come to trust in him today so that you won't perish, but that you can live and you can have eternal life. That is why Jesus came into the world. He came to be a light and to release us from darkness. Um, you know, we are... We are living in darkness until he turns on the light. Have you ever had the experience where you stay someplace that's foreign to you? Particularly, have you ever had the experience where you go and stay over somebody's house and the house isn't familiar to you? And, and if you've had to get up in the middle of the night, <laughs> you're, trying to, you're trying to not disturb anybody, you're trying to not let anybody know that you're up, and you're trying to find your way around in that dark house. I'm dropping everything today. So um, all you need to do to find your way around, all you need to do to find your way through this life is just turn on the light. Just turn on the light. When the light comes on, everything changes. And so we should ask Jesus, why did he come into the world? And he said, I've come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. Jesus makes sense out of everything. You see, when you turn on the light, it makes sense out of everything. That's why he came. He came to testify to the truth. Pilate, I love this scene here. Pilate said, so, uh, so you're a king then, huh? And Jesus said, you're right in saying that I'm a king. In fact, for this reason I was born. Why did Jesus come? Let Jesus tell you why he came. He came to be a king. We sing that song here sometimes, the king of my heart, may the king of my heart came to be a king. And for this, I came into the world to testify to the truth. So two reasons. Why did Jesus come? Why was he born? To be a king and to testify to the truth. And he said, everyone on the side of truth listens to me. So maybe Jesus is not your king yet. So this morning, make him king, the king of your life. To seek and to save that which was lost. For the Son of Man is come to save that which is lost. So Jesus came looking for us. Jesus came looking for me. I love that Jesus came looking for me. I love that he found me. In fact, my testimony, if you've ever heard my testimony, the, the, the people who led me to Christ were looking for me, diligently looking for me. And they found me, and then they told me the story. Jesus has come to seek and to save that which is lost. He's looking for you. If you have not yet come to Christ, then know that the reason he came was for you, and he was looking for you to seek and to save that which is lost. And he came so that we could have some good news. Wouldn't it be nice to have some good news? This is what it says in the Gospel of Luke, that the angel said to them, don't be afraid, for behold, I bring you glad tidings, good news of great joy that's for all people. Jesus has good news for all people, 
everyone on the globe, there's good news for you. Most of the news we get is bad news. The angel said, don't be afraid. I'll bring you good tidings of great joy, which is for all people. Uh, proof, proof that God still loves us. That God still loves us and has come and brought us this message of hope. Let's go to the next one. To give us the ultimate gift. The ultimate gift. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. It's the most expensive gift ever given. It's the only gift that lasts forever. It's practical because you can use it every day for the rest of your life. Every day for the rest of your life, Jesus is useful. What a gift! Most expensive gift? Why is it the most expensive gift? Because Jesus gave his life on the cross for you and for me. It's the only one that lasts forever. Everything else perishes. What if Jesus had never been born? So that's why he came. Um, if Jesus had never been born, there'd be no salvation for sin. Can you imagine that? No salvation for sin. Everybody would just be stuck in their sin. If Jesus had never been born, there'd be no victory over death. Jesus rose from the dead. If Jesus had never been born, there'd be no mediator between God and humanity. Um, he came to be our Savior. Because God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that through the world, people might be saved. Many people. He came to teach, he came to die, he came to, to, to rise from the dead. And so too often we neglect the one in Isaiah where it says uh, the government will be on his shoulder. The kingdom rule, kingdom reign, all authority is his. It says that he will be called Wonderful Counselor. I always wonder if it's Wonderful and Counselor or is it Wonderful Counselor? Well, I guess it can be both. It can be wonderful, there's one. It can be counselor, there's two. It can be wonderful counselor, there's three. <laughs> and so what do you get from a wonderful counselor? You get all of the advice and direction you need. Anything you need for advice and direction, he can give it to you. Anything that you need for policies, making a policy for your life, anything you need for consulting, go to him. He's the wonderful counselor. He's the mighty God. He's the exalted one. He's powerful above all others. He's omnipotent. He's omniscient. He's omnipresent. He's the everlasting father. What do you get out of that when you get care and concern and provision? A father taking care of his child. He's the prince of peace. Peace with God. Peace with people. Peace with myself. Peace among the nations. It's coming. Peace among the nations is coming. And he came because he loves us, because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whoever believed in him shouldn't perish, but have everlasting life. Amen. And then if you read on in the accounts, Jesus is born, right? And when he's born, if you go through the gospel accounts, you have people responding to that. And so we're supposed to be responding to that today. He's born. How are we supposed to be responding? What are we supposed to be doing? Well, it covers the gamut. The Magi come. And of course, the Magi, they're, they're pagans from the east, but they come and they bring him gifts. They saw the star and they came to worship. 
So can pagans, non-believers, those outside of the family of God, can they, yes, come and worship, see him. And when they see him, they're overjoyed. And they bow down and they worship and they gave him valuable gifts. You know, what gift can, what gift can we give to him? Our lives, I suppose. <laughs> Did you see that picture we had up earlier of Mary and Joseph? Um, tired after the birth. Um, my friend posted uh, exactly what Mary needed after that birth and after being tired and traveling all that distance. She needed a drum solo. <laughs> that little drummer boy. <laughs> Please. <laughs> different reactions, different responses. King Herod. What was his response? He was disturbed. Some people are still disturbed by Jesus. And he looked for the child, but he looked for the child for another reason. He was furious with the Magi when they went against him. And then how about Mary? How about Mary? There she is right there. You think she's saying, hey, you know, could use a drum cellar right now. <laughs> Mary, when she heard, you know, that she would be carrying this baby, she was humbled and she was overjoyed and and Joseph, of course, you know, he was, he was obedient to what he didn't understand. How about that one? Obedient to what he didn't understand. And so he came to save us from sin. He came to save us from self. He came to free us from a guilty conscience. He came to set us free from the fear of death. And God's not uh, mad at us. He's mad about us. So let's take a couple of minutes and um, maybe some of us can just share briefly you know, some testimony, whatever it is. It can be your salvation story or something God has done for you. Um, but just giving him glory, because when he went to the cross, we looked at that earlier, he went to the cross to bring glory to God. And the way that he brings glory to God is by saving people, saving us. And then by walking with us, giving us abundant life throughout the course of it. Somebody want to share testimony? You do? Yeah. This is my wife, by the way. <laughs> Be careful what you share. <laughs> um, in November, um, I, I had a lump in my breast, and I got really concerned. And so I immediately called the doctor, and I went in, and she felt a lump, too. And she said, you need to get a diagnostic mammogram. You need to have an ultrasound. And so when I went in, there was no lump at all on either test. They couldn't, we couldn't even find, you know, we went to the area that was there, but I really believe that was God. That was my Christmas miracle this year. <laughs> so I just want to get glory to God. When did that happen? I haven't heard about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Anybody else want to stand up and say something? Give glory to God? How do you get saved? Anything? Go ahead. I've been coming to Calvary for almost 10 years now. A friend of mine invited me. I had a lot of thieves in my life. A lot of what? Thieves. People trying to kill and destroy me, not physically, but emotionally. And 10 years ago, I was one of them because I was rebellious. I didn't know how to forgive. I didn't know how to love. And a friend of mine invited me, not once, but several times, to come to Calvary. 
eventually I said, yes, I needed something in my life. And through this family at Calvary, and God's works through everybody here, I've learned how to love. I've learned how to forgive. I've learned how to pray for those needs in my life. And I just thank him every day for giving me these gifts that I can fulfill my life with. You said when I came to Calvary, the great thing about saying when I came to Calvary, you know what Calvary means. Calvary means Calvaria. It's uh, in, in uh, Latin, it means the place of the skull, the place of the skull where Jesus was crucified. So it's cool to say that because you're going to where Jesus was crucified, which I always thought maybe we, maybe we should have named the church at the foot of the cross. You could say, when I came to the foot of the cross. But that's what you're saying, right, Calvary? John Powell, who does the Skull Hill Biker Church. People are like, Skull Hill? Well, that's what it is. It's the place of the skulls. So when I came to that, that's amazing. Thank you for that. Anybody else want to stand up? I just want to say a couple things that I did learn at this church that I never thought about before. And these were words that Pastor Joe had said once a couple times. Ask a person if they believe in God. People say yes. Ask them the question again, but leave one little word out. Do you believe God? And I've asked a lot of people that, and they do stop and think. And the other thing was, you mentioned one time that joy is an acronym. And this is another little thing in my life that I've learned and I live by. It means Jesus, others, and yourself. In that order. In that order. Anybody else want to share something? I'll share, but I don't want to stand up. Oh, that's right. You don't need to stand up. <laughs> okay, so um, I had in my family, my, my daughter for, for many years struggled with uh, addiction. And she's uh, out west in another state. Many years. Uh, she's uh, about, she's turned 40. So I got a call from her recently. Uh, she had been uh, arrested. She got arrested in a drug raid? Yes. There was a, a federal, a pretty serious, mm-hmm. you know, methamphetamine federal raid. And she called me and said, um, you know, <coughs> I hadn't heard from her in a long time. She said, Mom, I, I, uh, I want you to know that uh, I really need you now. And uh, I, I, everything that happens from here on in is okay because, Mom, I've been saved. Well. Takes a long time sometimes. Yeah, just keep just keep praying for people. <laughs> Who else? Well, I know Ozzy Osbourne wrote a 
song about me. Going off the rails of a crazy train. But knock on the door, like you said. And uh, he kept following me. All right. <laughs> Poor Ozzy, we should pray for Ozzy. <laughs> that guy's got to come to Christ pretty soon. So, uh, so Lord, we pray for Ozzy. Pray he comes to know Jesus. Amen. Anybody else? It's been about 10 years since we've been here. I, You're our most infrequent attender. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a long commute from Florida. So I and uh, I just want to say how blessed we have been, especially this year, with our, our boys are now adults, and uh, two of them are married with grandchildren, and we're here visiting. We came here to Monville to bring a friend of ours to uh, church with us this morning. It was such a blessing to see Joe. He's got a tail now. <laughs> <laughs> but one of the things that I really praise God for is that for the many years that we've been attending here prior to moving down to Florida is that Joe has always pointed to Jesus. He's never pointed to himself. He's pointed to Jesus. And that's something that I've been able to model, to be able to point people to Jesus and not to me. Because I'll let you down, but Jesus will never let you. That's good. Thank you, Lord. Anyone else want to share something? It brings glory to God and encouragement to us, so... Otherwise, we'll close with a song. You know, I have been carrying this thing around every time I wear this suit jacket. Somebody gave this to me in the summer. Somebody, somebody dropped this in the parking lot. Does this belong to anybody? No? <laughs> that would be a... <laughs> I always think it is antique. It's been in there since the summer. <laughs> Let's close with a prayer, too. So uh, <clears throat> it's the last Sunday of the year, right? And uh, God has been good. God has been faithful. There's nothing that can separate us from the love of God. Nothing. Not height. Not depth. Not things present. Not things to come. Not angels, not demons, not COVID. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Jesus said, let not, let not your hearts be troubled. Be anxious about nothing. And so, Lord, thanks for getting us through this year, and we pray that uh, next year will be even more amazing. You know, I think there's... We should, like, right now just take a moment and, and ask the Lord to show you somebody in your life, somebody's face, somebody's name, that, uh, that he's working with, because God is working with people. And God is drawing people to himself. And God is drawing some of your friends and some of your family to himself. And he wants to use you to bring them to Christ. Uh, I had a pretty cool encounter on Christmas Eve, being on the platform, and I couldn't see anything out there but uh, just some of those fires that were burning. But I was leaving the platform and coming back, and there was uh, somebody there, 
who uh, has recently come to Christ, and they were saying to this person in a little circle, she said, did you say the prayer? And the guy said, no, I didn't, but I will. (laughs) And so maybe you're the one who I heard say that. Maybe you're in this room right now. You know, say the prayer. You'll let Jesus into your life. But God is doing something right now. He's doing something in our country. He's doing something on the planet. He's drawing people to himself. And people are coming to Christ. And all of the things that are going on, we can get all sidetracked by that. But God's using it to bring people to himself. All that craziness, all that weirdness, all the stuff that's going on. God is using that to bring people to himself. In the midst of uncertainty, in the midst of not knowing what is true. Do you know what's true and you know what's false? I remember three summers ago, you know, we set out in the middle of nowhere. Pretty soon it's going to get to the place where you will not know what's true and what isn't true. What did Jesus say? He said, I came to do what? To testify to the truth. There is a truth out there. There's a truth that you can bank on. The truth about Jesus Christ and who he is, that he came according to the scriptures. He died, he rose again. And if you put your trust in him, he will give you eternal life. He will give you abundant life. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. That's the truth. And it's probably the only truth that we can hang on to. Because if we start talking about the things that are going on around us and we get three of us in a circle talking about it, we'll have four or five truths. But there's only one truth that we can depend on, Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, as we go into this new year, I pray that you'd uh, show us somebody, Lord, that in our life that you're working in their life and that you want to use us, maybe to pray for them, maybe to share, share with them, maybe both, maybe to bring them to Bible studies, maybe to give them books, maybe to give them links, Lord, whatever. And so, Lord, even right now, just show us who those people might be and how we can start praying and how how we can help bring them to you. And so, again, thanks for the faithfulness. Thanks for bringing us through. Thanks for the difficulties. Thanks for the craziness. Lord, thanks that you are the solid rock that we can trust and rely upon. And so may the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you and may the Lord make his face shine upon you and may the Lord give you peace. And might you find that person that's ready to pray the prayer, ready to surrender to Jesus. And might God use you in their life in this coming year.